Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Wildest Cougar Stories. I'm Carolina. And I'm Craig. And we're very excited to be here and we've got quite an interesting one ahead of us. Yeah, I think it's um, it's an episode that gives people a lot to think about and yeah, including both myself and Carolina and how things can take be, be taken out of context. Absolutely. Especially when you're on social media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's what social media does, doesn't it? Absolutely. But like, for those who have been with us before, we have started doing this thing where we are giving each other a like scenario. It can both be with guests or with animals or with something like photography and conservation related. So, Craig, are you going to start? I'm going to start Giving this me a week. scenario. Um, I think I was so excited for my scenario because I know Carolina has this... She, she gets FOMO. She has this... Oh, yeah, 100%. That you are a FOMO person and... Not just with, like, social settings. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you are... If, if something... If we are going to go see something that you actually don't even like, you will still want to come with. Yeah. Because you might miss out on the off chance of something you like happening. Also, I might miss, might miss out on a amazing <laughs> shot. And, like, sorry, but to be fair, a lot of the times when I have come with, although I've maybe not wanted to, something amazing has happened. Yes. And I've gotten a cool this is, photo. This is true. This is true. So, but, um, getting to the scenario. Okay. So, it's a would you rather scenario. I need to set the setting now. Mm. You, We've both been in this situation before in the lodge industry. You're in your sixth week, three days to go. You've had a full camp for the five and a half weeks. Just because I don't think we have mentioned this, that uh, when you're in the lodge industry, you often work six weeks on and two weeks off. Yes, so, so those are your cycles. And the six weeks is like every day for yeah, six weeks. You so by the yeah. end of that six week... You are very tired yeah. because you've been working constantly. You're often working around like, it's it's like hospitality um, or like the the uh, restaurant industry as well. Sometimes you can be working very, very long hours. We mm. often work 12 to 16 hour days. Uh, but enough on that. Going back to the scenario, you're in your sixth week, three days to go but till, until you can see that road where you're going on leave. <laughs> And suddenly a guest comes back and says, we've seen a leopard right outside the lodge. Or let's say about 10 minutes from the lodge. You can go, but it's month end and you have to do stock take. <laughs> and that 10 minutes means the world to you. You are tired. You need to finish month end before you go on leave. And there's a leopard sighting in a tree with a kill. Do you go or do you stay? I think I'll go. Why? Because An it's... operations manager looking down at you like this going, what is your decision? No. <laughs> what is your decision? Because <laughs> you know you're going to be judged by your bosses. You always are. <laughs> if I, well, if my bosses were there, maybe I'd think a little bit differently. But if they weren't, I'd definitely take the chance. Yeah. Okay, so that's what you would. And then I would hear about it later as how tired she is. and cause she It's a leopard, man. Yeah, fair. Fair comment. If it's like a guaranteed sightings almost, sighting almost, so like, if it's like, oh, but yeah, she disappeared into the bush, I wouldn't go because... Then, then we have to relocate her, so... Yeah, then it's not a guaranteed sighting. But it's like, 
okay, she's in a tree with a kill, so she's in like the yeah. tree is very photographic or something and like oh it's really cool it's close to the road and whatever then I would definitely go okay and then I'll just have to make up for the time like yeah month end is hectic for those who don't know that's that's you know closing up all the you do stock takes and account and it's, yeah, it's, it's making sure everything balances at the end of the month so like if you do a drink stock take for those people that have worked in the restaurant industry or actually any uh, most retail businesses yeah. as well. You you got to count everything that you have and make sure everything balances. It's a crock of shit, really. Um, <laughs> but it it needs to be done. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it it can be hectic. To be fair, the last lodge we worked at, my month it wasn't too hectic. It was one stock take, and then was just putting some some papers together. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, send yeah, it through yeah, to my boss. Yeah. So it was quite chilled. But on the lodge we worked at before that. It wow, was that but the curio shop was like a shopping mall. Yeah, it was huge. And um, it was just, and there was a lot of staff, a lot of people, and a lot of guests. So then things get messed up, and there's you know human error, and then you have to fix all of that at the end of the month. It was hectic. Anyway, that I would definitely go try to see the leopard because otherwise I get too much. Fun. Good call, good call. <laughs> I'm sure the shots will be amazing. I'm sure you've actually got a few shots of a situation like that where you have been rushed out of the lodge and gone to see a leopard. Not specifically leopard, but it's been like yeah, wild dogs and stuff. Yeah. That's happened before, yeah. Um, all right, guys. To head into the episode. Yeah, today we're going to be talking a little bit about... Is it... We, we didn't really have a name for the episode, but we have, we've had to lean towards... Is it dangerous to come on safari? Yes. <laughs> because this whole thing stemmed from... You know, when you... We all post quite a lot of reels now because that's the way of growing on Instagram. And I'm, I'm a bit on TikTok as well. And sometimes th- things go viral with reels and TikToks. And then you get a lot of random people commenting yeah. and like interacting with your content, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's a lot of fun and you can find a lot of new people to connect to and it's really awesome. But sometimes it's also people who think they know stuff about Africa or safaris or animals or they don't know anything at all and they're just scared and they comment these things that just like doesn't make sense and in one way I also it frustrates me sometimes and it can be very funny sometimes but in one way also I have to be I have to be fair and say if you haven't been around wild animals that much and been in the bush or in the wild or in the forests or wherever just shut up not you no person I'm saying like no, 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 not you, not you. I meant the people. Like, you know, if you don't, if you don't 100% know... No, 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 to be like, fair... shut up. Sorry, yeah, okay. sorry, I have that, I have that mindset with <laughs> okay. it all. To be fair, one, they shouldn't be commenting, um, and uh, commenting about stuff that they don't know. Yeah. But to be fair as well, because you haven't been in the wild a lot, you might not know. So, like, sometimes people comment, like, things where they're actually curious, and they don't know, and they're actually asking because they want to mm. know. This, this is a fine. good talking point now, uh, actually, on these comments. Like, I think, you know, when we talk about something going viral, we generally talk about something going into the high hundreds of thousands of views even Even potentially into the millions i mean you last week had a had a reel that went above two million um three million goodness (laughs) gracious me makes my one that went two weeks ago to 1.3 million look a little bit sad if i'm allowed to brag i had another one going to two million this morning (laughs) well you know what i was so proud about my reel that went to 1.3 million um, the other day, and then Carolina just came out and just da da <laughs> one. Enough on that. Yeah. So 
like I said, a good talking point about things going viral and people commenting because the algorithm works as the more traction the post gets, the more audience it reaches. Mm. And um, that also means the more audience it's reaching, the more idiots it's reaching. <laughs> so basically what happens is, my, my opinion is if, if you are being constructive in a comment and you are asking an actual question, mm. that is fine. Mm. I don't mind people asking me on my social media, oh, um, uh, do, do <laughs> I'm trying to think of a really stupid question here. Um, do zebras eat meat? Yes, I don't mind that. Do zebras eat meat? Do giraffe eat meat? How do they get so big? I don't mind that. Mm. You know, that is someone actually generally asking because they don't know. Mm. But telling me that giraffe is way too close to you, it will eat you. I'm going to absolutely wreck you on social media. Well, actually, I won't. But um, it, it, I'm going to think you're an absolute idiot. Because rather ask if you're unsure. Because, let's be honest, who really has been misinformed that a giraffe actually eats meat, let alone people? So. But it's, it's, a, it's just about the way you ask and what you comment and the way you word it. Because a lot of people, yeah. like, they will attack me on social media and be like, this is how it is. And I'll be like, well, actually not. And then I'm like, why do you even pretend like you know from the start when, when sorry, like, I, I've actually studied this stuff. And, you know, yeah. I've been in, in Africa for four years and in the bush and, and like, and you, you have been, I don't know, not even been to to Africa maybe or yeah. and you're just telling me because you've seen it on a documentary once or something no they've seen it on those fake social media posts yes. you know those those ones yes. that take videos from I, I will give you guys an example is there was one like really it actually went viral and I was really angry about it and this is how um, social media can be a mix of dis and misinformation uh, where there was a leopard that ran up to catch, it was a male leopard, ran up to catch this baby newborn impala and kind of stopped and looked and smelt it a little bit. Then the video ends. Then the video cuts to a female leopard with the same scenario, but the impala lamb's a little bit older. And it's a young female leopard and she's just sitting next to this impala. And then the caption reads, look how beautiful this is. This leopard adapted this impala because its mother died. And you're like, no, if the video didn't cut, you'll see both leopards actually end up killing the impalas. But that's how, that's how yeah. misinformation actually works. Yeah. Um, and, and people the, think this is, this is how it is. Uh, and then they will come and tell you that, no, but, but leopards actually adapt, uh, adopt young impalas. Exactly. And there's, there's another video where it's actually a, a wildebeest baby. And then in the next video, it's an impala baby. And people still are like... <laughs> Oh, this God. is great. They're taking care of it. But the one I'm talking about... So, why are we talking about this? To get into... Sorry, actual, we derailed well, we a little bit. We are derailing a little bit. But those are cool stories. <laughs> but the comment that I got on my social media the other day, uh, I posted a video of... And it was it was supposed to be funny. It is, I think I still think it's quite funny. It's a video of a hyena, like, filmed in very... Like, I tried to film it in a very, like badass way I guess where the hyena is like walking very comfortably and like looks quite almost a little bit scary like yeah. you know that typical hyena thing that people people have an idea of hyenas being you know the most horrible creatures in the bush kind of thing and and that video was kind of like feeding into that but then 
the sound cuts and turns into a different sound, go to my social media and watch it if you, if you to my Instagram and watch it if you want to know exactly what I mean. And the next video is this hyena rolling on its back. I don't know if it was, it wasn't the same hyena, but it was a different hyena rolling on its back and like, you it, know, it almost, almost, it almost looks cute and cuddly, doesn't super it? Super cute yeah. and cuddly. <laughs> and the caption just goes like, you know, you went to Africa to see the fierce predators and this is what you got. And then like the, you know, the, you got the cute and cuddly hyena and you were actually wanting to see the fierce predators. And one, a lot of people went in on to tell me that hyenas are not predators. <laughs> and they were like, did oh, wow. they scavenge? And I had to explain a thousand times that... I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, there <laughs> was a lot of people that they're not predators. And I had to go in to explain that they scavenge and they hunt. It doesn't make them less predators for, for that. It all matter. depends on the ecosystem they're living in. You yeah. Know? And two, they went on to tell me how hyenas are vicious and they literally just out to kill you and just want to hunt down humans. <laughs> and that's the kind of perception that people have of a lot of wild animals, not just hyenas, because I feel like it's extra it's yeah. worse with hyenas because of the way that Lion King, for example, have portrayed hyenas. But animals in general, someone asked me the other day if zebras eat people. And if zebras are dangerous to people, and the truth is, I said this to my story, on my story on Instagram, the truth is that, no, zebras are not dangerous to people as in like they're going to hunt you down, but if you crawl up next to a zebra and you try to jump on it, it's going to kick you because it's going to think you're a lion and it's going to think it's going to die, so it's going to kick you and that kick might kill you. Yeah. So yes, they're dangerous in that way. But that's the thing with a lot of animals. I think it's it's all about common sense about how you approach animals and how mm. you act in in wild areas because that's where the animals live and we need to respect them and we need to, you know. But it all comes down to just having common sense and not like trying to get very close to an animal because then you might die because of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you could potentially get someone else killed. You know, I think going back to your hyena video and... Mm people assuming the worst and like you, you mentioned it i think lion king is to blame absolutely um we often use that as uh, and i think most guides uh, would think that or would say or would tell tell their guests that uh, lion king did destroy the outlook on hyenas itself and yes they are a dangerous predator and yes you should not write them off but in general they're they're not they're more they're they're linked to more opportunistic hunting than anything else they're clever predators going back to uh what we were saying about the uh they're not they're not predators they're scavengers you know it all depends on what ecosystem they're they're occurring in uh yeah i think people just need to before they put put pen to paper well it's social media so it's not pen to paper but before they comment just just think about it do a bit of research and then I know what some people are thinking, yeah, but some people might not be able to do research. You've got a smartphone. If you've got Instagram, you can do research. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, don't, don't comment stuff like that. But also, I think it's just, that's why we're making this episode because people think that the wild is so dangerous. Yeah. And the thing is, we mustn't, we mustn't come off saying like, okay, you can just go out in the bush because nothing's going to kill you because, no. okay, that's also stupid. The, it is dangerous but it's not as dangerous as you might think. Yeah. If you follow certain rules and 
you know, going back to what we said, this title was going on Africa, uh, going on safari in Africa. Is that dangerous? No, if you go on a safari and you listen to your guide and you listen to the lodge staff and you don't go outside the lodge, like perimeter, gates, yeah. perimeter you will be fine. But if you run up to a lion and try to take a kill from a lion, yeah, then you won't probably won't be fine. And I feel that's the thing with any animal. We, you know, we talk about hyenas and so on. And that's the thing. All animals out in the bush can be dangerous yeah. depending on the situation. I think we, I want to tell a funny story from the lodge that we worked at because we had a situation that was quite unfortunate, but it just shows how any animal can be dangerous if you don't approach it in the right way. And you don't respect the animal. And you yeah. don't respect the animal and you don't listen to what the lodge staff are saying. We had a situation at one of the lodges we worked at where there was a lot of Nyala around the lodge. And for those who don't mm. know, Nyala is an antelope. And the females don't have horns and the males do. They have big antlers. That's what it's called. Yeah. No, horns. Sorry, antlers is... is... Antlers is deer. Oh, sorry. You're never a safari guy. <laughs> sorry, they have horns. Antlers <laughs> is, is the ones we get in Europe. Sorry. Anyway, um... They have big horns, the males do. And most of the time, we could, you know, because these these Nyala were living around the lodge, we could walk up to like a few meters away from them. They were so used to us because they were living around the lodge. They were so used to people being around. So they would eat very close to the pathways and you would walk right next to them. You couldn't touch them because then they would run away. But... You shouldn't no, touch them. No, exactly. You that's... want to touch them, but you're gone. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, you you, sh you shouldn't touch them and you wouldn't touch them. And, and we never fed them or anything like that. Yeah. They were eating the grass around the lodge. And I think they realized that lodge was, was quite safe from predators because humans were around there. Yeah, there was also more of them in winter because the lodge was irrigated, so more uh, yes. that was, would attract exactly. more of them. So there was quite a lot of them in winter around there and they were very used to us. And most of the time you know, nothing would happen. We'd walk right past them and there's no big deal. But this was, I think, early summer uh, or just before summer. It was breeding season. Midwinter. Midwinter, mid sorry. Um, for yeah. Nyala. And this male was acting a little bit aggressive. Uh, we saw, we, we like, the guides and people around the lodge noticed these, like, a little bit of warning signs that he was approaching these females trying to mate with the females. And we could see that he was, you know, trying to like puff up and look good and try to, you know, get these females and mate with them and so on. So we started telling the people around the lodge, just be careful of this male, you know, don't walk too close to him. And at this certain situation, he was on a little like open part, open spot of the lodge uh, where there was quite a lot of grass and whatever. And then there was a little pathway that went through that open grassy area. And went down to the to the deck where we usually had high tea before game drive. And we told all the guests when they were coming there to just walk around instead of walking through that on that path. Because this male, we could see that he was not too happy with us being around. So you're just respecting the animal and not getting too close. Where you can see he is trying to mate with these females. And are obviously not very happy with people around him. Because he sees that as competition. Anyway... There was a few guests that didn't really listen to us. We were, you know, telling them and, and shouting not to go through there. And they still walked th on that path. 
and this male Nyala was not very happy with that and ran into one of the guests with his horns. The guest was fine, but got a quite a big scratch. Mm. And, you know, the, those horns are sharp. So it just to, it just shows that even animals like an antelope that we usually, you know, just take as, as they're so placid and, and chilled and, you know, and they calm. calm and they are not a predator, so they're not dangerous to us. Even they can be dangerous to us if we don't respect them. It's all based on situation, I think. You know, mm. there's you need to be more wary of certain animals in certain seasons and mm. um, social situations, you know, and that's where, that's where safari guides are so key because we understand and that's why when you do go on safari it is incredibly important to listen to your safari guide mm. he understands that area he's working in um and respect that mm. when he says something when he says don't stand up this animal will get aggressive on the vehicle of course don't stand up listen to him mm. because when you do that he knows that that specific person that has stood up endangers the life of every single person on that vehicle without even thinking um and yet there's some people don't respect that before we move into that because i think that's a very good talking point point mm. of why it's why it's dangerous to stand up i think just to go back to you know coming to africa and is it dangerous i think one thing i want to touch on before we move on mm. to what you were mentioning there is snakes spiders and scorpions because i think that is the number one question i get from guests and people who are interested in going to africa and you know people are scared of snakes spiders and scorpions naturally which a hundred percent i hundred percent get that and i'm i was also very scared when i first went to south africa the first time because you hear these horror stories and you hear about these snakes that can kill you with one bites and you know and it's just in spiders and scorpions and all of these kind of things that coming from europe you're not used to having to deal with because they're not really here and i was worried about okay how often do you actually see these these things and that's the thing you don't see it as often as you would think no you know i think most most of those animal scorpions if it's a warm evening obviously they're more active at night and you're in the right kind of area. There is quite a lot of scorpions out and about. Mm. But again, they're they're not out to crawl under your pillow and wait for you. No, you exactly. Know? They're not out to kill you. So snakes is the same. Snakes work on vibration. So they actually choose to avoid human contact. We're bigger uh, than they are. And often they will just move straight off the pathway. And that's what that's what people generally... They, they, there's, a, there's a misconception with regards to those small dangerous animals i think no they're out to get you they're not yes there are odd occasions very odd where a snake is in a room or something like that but you will notice or as a guide i don't think a guest notices but as a guide you notice that behavior that 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 snake is scared mm -hmm. once a person comes in because it's like oh i came here to hide and now i'm exposed i need to get out and that snake moving quickly across the floor of the room is purely just the snake trying to get away mm. it's not thinking oh my word i want to kill you and eat you mm. no it's trying to get out of that situation so most smaller uh, dangerous animals um are 
just as scared of you as you are of it. Mm, absolutely. And that's the thing. I think, you know, when I moved to Africa, to South Africa, I thought, oh my word, am I going to see snakes and scorpions and spiders all the time? How am I going to deal with this and so on? And honestly, I think I can count on my two hands how many snake encounters I've had the past four years of me living in, in the bush. It's not just living in South Africa, I was living in Kruger National Park. And I think I can count on my my two hands yeah, yeah. the amount of times I've seen a snake on foot. So that's the thing, you don't see them that often. Some days, like that's the funny thing, there was a week where we saw and heard <laughs> about like six snakes around the lodge from like either from staff that came to tell me that they saw a snake somewhere or that I saw it myself. But then you go three, four months without seeing a Sorry, can one. I just stop you there? Wasn't that that one time we had a guest that was super scared of yes. snakes? <laughs> yeah. And it just so happened. And then you, you casually say, oh, no, we don't see them often, you know? And then it just so happens that that week there's like six. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And that's the thing. I think people are so... They're so worried about these things. And exactly like you're saying, Craig, people think they like, oh, these snakes are going to hunt you down and they're trying to get you. The thing is... Very often, correct me if I'm wrong here, Craig, mm. yeah, very often when a snake, especially an adult snake, bites a person, they actually do it without venom because they know that they can't eat this thing because we are too big. Yeah, I think touching on that a little bit, we won't focus too much on venom and no, no. Uh, what happens. and But um, what snakes, that is purely a defense mm. for them, a bite. And... It's a warning. It's a warning. So often it can be a dry bite. Not always. Um, but often they ca it can be a dry bite when it is a human. But also the, when they're biting you, they, they, there are sometimes what you call false strikes. Where like the, the snake will only strike halfway mm. to just kind of be intimidating. Mm. Cobras will open their hood, uh, maybe spit uh, a little bit and that's why it's important when you're dealing with cobras to have glasses but that's that it, they're not because they, they don't see they don't see you as food no. i mean a, a three meter even black mamba doesn't associate you with food mm. um at all they are aggressive snakes though. yeah exactly okay but to move on to what you were talking about craig i think that was you were touching on a really interesting thing there i think that we want to move into is when it comes to, because that is the thing that also, I also get questions about yeah, on social yeah. media. People see my behind the scenes videos sometimes and they're like, you're so close to that lion. You're just a few meters away. Aren't you scared that it's going to jump into the vehicle and, and kill you? And that's the thing I think we want to move on to is how can you get so close to animals on safari in a vehicle? How does that whole science work with, you know, the animals being very comfortable with a vehicle being there and also not seeing that as a potential food source. I think it's very much a, um, it, you build a relationship with the animal. You don't, it's not necessarily a, um, a, a relationship that is, oh, that animal knows you specifically. It is what we classify as habituation. Now habituation is getting specific animals used to their surroundings. Now, if you've got a lodge that is within a certain area, and this is habituation is all area specific. Some animals are harder to habituate than others. And that's why we, uh, most reserves have, when animals are very young, they're exposed to vehicles. And 
the more they're exposed to vehicles and that's why it's important to not put too much pressure on them when they're young you want to develop that healthy relationship from when they're a young age and then slowly but surely this take a leopard or a lion cub will grow up going oh this is mom's not scared of this why must i be scared of it this thing's obviously just part of day-to-day -day life and you're actually Im um, impacting it very little in its day-to-day -day life because it associates you with its day-to-day -day life now there's 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 there are a few things that you need to take into consideration when being part of an animal's day-to-day -day life like for example when an animal when you as a safari guide can see that the animal is stressed or something like that you can see like maybe it's a, a heavily pregnant female leopard some guides are so keen to actually just find that that den site that she's going to use that actually puts her under pressure so you should rather just let her be you will find her after she's given birth again and then maybe she will lead you back to the den site but that, that that's obviously different guides will have different opinions on how to handle those situations but um yeah it, it's very important to read the animal's behavior to go okay right this animal is stressed it usually is quite a relaxed female leopard, but something's happened with her. Guys, we're not going to push her too much today. And that's important for a guide to do, is to say, look, look, she's she's snarling at us a little bit. You can see she's tolerating us, but let's just give her a little bit of space today. And maybe we'll find her tomorrow and she'll be a lot more relaxed. But yeah, habituation starts as a cub. And generally when a, I'm going to use leopards as an example, I'm going to use all the examples, but a leopard would start at four to six weeks old and you'll allow one vehicle in there um, per drive actually when they're still that young in some areas like I've said other areas have different rules and then as they get older you'll allow two vehicles per drive maybe three vehicles per drive but at one at a time and then eventually as it develops you allow more and more vehicles there but never too many so max with even with the mother being around you probably have one vehicle at a time but rotating so you'll have whole line of standby vehicles waiting to come into the sighting being communicated through radio contact and one vehicle will come view this female with her cubs that vehicle will leave once he's done the next vehicle will come in so you're not there's always only one engine running there's always only one guide talking you often in those situations tell guests to keep quiet but now if you have a guest that stands up going to what we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. when a guest stands up that female and those cubs have slowly started to get used to these vehicles coming in and out, but they've gotten used to this this shape of the vehicle where people are sitting, there is a guide sitting, and there's a tracker. That's what they've seen their entire lives, even if they're six months old. But now some idiot decides he can't see well enough, so he wants to get a higher angle shot, so he stands to take a photo. That could potentially ruin months of habituation. Months because they've now been exposed to something that they've never been exposed to in their lives. And if they're at five, six months old, it's a very vulnerable age for a leopard cub, they could, they could never be the same again. Mm. That's, that's an extreme situation, but they could never want to see a vehicle again. They were like, wow, that vehicle is actually really close, and then someone just stood up. They don't associate that with the stand-up, but it's something that they're not, they've never seen before. And they're like, wow, the shape, the shape that we used to... Seeing is broken, it looks more intimidating, I'm out of here. Mm. And that could also encourage the female to be a little bit more aggressive because she's not that used to a shape like that either. And that's when you start, you know, 
affecting the animal in a negative way Absolutely. with vehicles. And Absolutely. I think that is the most important thing to to remember. This is not, we talk about a lot about leopards, and I think that's because leopards are very difficult to habituate, and it's a very, like, complex um, thing to, to get leopards used to yeah. vehicles because they're naturally shy animals. Mm. But it's the same thing with lions. It's the same thing with, you know, elephants especially, and rhinos, whatever it is, and yeah. even things like impala. You know, if you have ever been on a bushwalk, we spoke about bushwalks in Craig's episode a little bit about how that works. So if you don't know yeah. what that is, you can go back and listen to that. Episode two. But, you know, if you have been on a bushwalk and been in a vehicle, you can see there's a huge difference between walking around in the bush on foot because yeah. the impalas will run away and they will alarm call for you because you are a person on two legs. While when you're in a vehicle, sometimes you're struggling to, to drive on a road because Impalas just won't move. Yeah, they don't want <laughs> because they've gotten so used to you in this vehicle. But like Carolina, and walking is a good talking point now is when you're walking, you're, you're seen as something that they don't see often. And they're like, wow, this is weird. This is very strange to me. And um, they will see you from 50 to 100 meters away. And if you stop and look at them, they will run away and um you you might find you can have a few encounters with like elephants and um rhinos sometimes a lion but you'll never get as close as you will with a vehicle and uh, that's just purely because you want to respect the space you are more intimidating on foot to an animal and animals are a lot more weary of you while you're on foot i think it's remember to uh, to i think it's important to remember that this is area specific. Absolutely. So, you know, you have more commercial areas where there is more vehicles with animals and more used to vehicles. A very good example is the self-driving part of Kruger. Yeah. Because there you will have both leopards and lions walking right next to your vehicle. Yeah. There can be, you know, because Kruger isn't a controlled, you know, sightings with, with radios like Craig was just talking. Mm. You know, there can be 20 vehicles and... A, it's not controlled. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So... There can be 20 vehicles at a sighting and the lions just won't care because they're so used to that. They also know they associate these roads with vehicles. So they know that if we're close to the roads, there's going to be these weird things that drive around. Yeah. And they don't really care because they they see that, that as just, as Craig says, just part of everyday life. But then you can go to areas where we worked, where we used to work, for example, where that is less commercial, where there's not a lot of vehicles around and so on. And where we noticed that the lions and the elephants were more wary of vehicles because they weren't as used to their present. And you had to be much more careful with approaching animals and doing it very, very slowly. Yeah. So I think 100% what you said there is I, I go back to what we were um, where we, we last worked, the last lodge we worked at permanently. And it was in a very remote area. So animals were not as used to vehicles. And it actually, it was an incredible challenge for me as a guide. Mm. I had obviously worked quite often in commercial areas. And a mate of ours actually came to join at a different property later on. And he said the same thing. It's, it's a different challenge for a guide because you have to approach animals slower. And you have to, you have to think, almost go the extra mile with a thought process on how you, how you must approach these animals. Because they're they're not as habituated as the animals in the more commercial reserves and uh, leopards in that area abundant so many but 
getting a good sighting was tricky uh, if you didn't play your cards right. Often vehicle control was very, very important in that reserve. And if you brought, if you made the just the slightest wrong decision, you'd ruin the sighting for everyone. So you you almost had to had to overthink a situation. Mm. It's it's important to, and that's what it what it all comes down to. It all comes down to respecting the animals. Yeah. But also to get back to the topic of, of the episode, it's important to respect the animals. Mm. It's important to remember that you are in the wild and follow the rules. But you, there's no need to be scared. You know, if you, yeah. there is scary situations. We, you know, we will probably talk more about situations. Especially mm. you have been probably in more scary situations than mm. I have because you've been in the bush longer. But there is scary situations, and it's just about knowing how to handle those situations. But most of the time, if you as a guest come to Africa on safari, you will be perfectly safe if you follow the instructions of the guides and the instructions of the lodge staff. But I also want to move on to, because we're talking about hibi- habituation. Habituation. How do you Habi- say Habituation. Habituation. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. That thing that cracks it. Anyway, we're talking about that, and we were talking about it on foot. We've been talking a lot about, a lot about leopards and so on. And that is a very uh, common thing. No, sorry, not a common thing. But it happens mm. that leopards can walk into lodges. And yeah. That is also something that people are scared of. We were talking about snakes and stuff, and they're scared of leopards around the lodge. Can you tell us a little bit more about that phenomenon? <sighs> you know, it's a, it's a tricky it's a tricky one, uh, Carolina. Um, and uh, many of my friends might disagree with me. Um, and I do. I think there's something called over overly habituated animals and um i think overly habituated animals can be dangerous because um, they're too used to they're humans. too used to humans and there are multiple videos of um often leopard that are in lodges that at this point in their life they're say for instance let's let's use the example of there's a big male leopard in a in a certain area in the great kruger and he's very relaxed walks he's often he's walking through uh seen and videoed walking through receptions restaurants of lodges and he he doesn't batter an eyelid he absolutely does not batter an eyelid and that's fine right now but what will happen is he's gonna get older and he is going to be pushed out of his territory basically what happens is when when a male leopard gets older younger males come and want to challenge him for his territory and what happens then is he starts to struggle to hunt he starts to struggle to have area and if he gets pushed out of this area he's then going to be pushed into another area where could where there could be another lodge that don't understand his behavior and don't can't identify him and uh, all of a sudden he's going to be older and he that could turn into more opportunistic behavior towards lodge staff children at the lodge and yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I have the utmost confidence in all the properties where this leopard is active because I actually have friends that work at them and they are some of the, the top, top guides I've ever met in my life. And um, I'm sure they handle this incredibly well. I have the utmost faith. But in my personal opinion, that specific leopard can become a problem in the future because he now there is no fear factor for him with this lodge with people with the staff and one day when he gets older when he gets to 14 15 years old and he starts to struggle for food sources 
he's going to look at different alternatives of food sources. You, it's, it's a common practice with leopards. As they get older, they start to... I've seen it with uh, a twin, the twin spot female at a specific reserve I worked. And uh, often leopards won't... They're very opportunistic cats, but they won't... They, they're usually bringing down larger prey, such as impala, bushbuck, you know, certain antelope species. Again, they're opportunistic with regards to certain things, but as they get older, their food sources become, or their food diet becomes more vast. So they start to go, because they're struggling to hunt down the impala, because it's not lambing season, they're struggling to catch the adults. They start to go for legowans, which are monitor lizards, civets, um, and that's those are signs. The animal, leopards catching... Or, or, or quite often catching those animals, it's a sign that that isn't that is an older cat because it's struggling to catch other stuff, and that could easily turn into opportunistic behaviour around a lodge, and that's what I would encourage people to be vigilant of when situations like this do arise with leopards coming into camp quite frequently and not 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 trying to make themselves hidden. You know, like this leopard walks straight through the lodge, walks okay. through the reception. It's an amazing sighting, don't get me wrong. And like I've said before, these, these guys probably handle the situation amazingly. But what happens when it doesn't go that smoothly? I think, you know, living in the bush and being in the wild and us with animals, there's a very, very fine balance between, you know, our biggest protection mm. is to actually keep that fear factor to the animals. We we are to animals, we are the scariest things out, yeah. out there. And it's important to keep that fear factor and, you know, keep that fear factor there so that animals don't get too comfortable and start seeing us as prey. Because when they don't see us as something dangerous anymore, they might might start seeing us as prey. But there's also fine balance with, you know, animals not being too scared of us as well because then they might also get aggressive. So there's a lot of, there's a very fine balance there between having an animal like having the respect for us, just like we yeah. We could debate for hours, even days, about overly habituated animals, um, but we're not going to do that. I just think uh, vigilance is needed and is paramount to those situations. Yeah, I think to sum up this whole you know conversation from is it dangerous to come to Africa or not and habituating animals and so on, I think mm. it all just comes back to that balance of respecting the animals, Absolutely. but the animals still having a respect for us. And just being aware of the danger that they, they might cause, but also not being too scared because the chances of something happening is very slim. Yeah. But we need to be aware that that, that risk is there. There's always a risk. Um, in anything you cross the street this afternoon there's a risk come to Africa on safari there's a risk step a foot out of your bedroom in the morning there's a risk so yeah there's risks everywhere but again like Carolina just said I think um, it comes down to respect uh, just respect the animal respect the professionals who work with the animals and respect the lodge staff that are in the areas itself mm. I think good chat. Good chat. <laughs> I hope people found this interesting because it's a very... I'm sure we will have similar episodes on this. Definitely. Because it's a very interesting topic and, and something that we can go on about for hours. But It's a have, complex topic. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that link absolutely. to this topic. Yeah. Absolutely. But 
we have been going on for a long time now. I think mm. it's time to wrap it up. Uh, so now it's my turn to give you a scenario. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you guys, if you've been listening to all the episodes, you guys know that Craig absolutely loves lepers. He's said it about 15 times, I think, through this podcast. Mm. And my question to you, because I know you're also very into birds. I love birds. You love birds. But, okay, here, would you rather have a guest that is super, super into birds and that doesn't want to see anything else, does not care if a leopard is mating with a lion in front of their vehicle, they only want to see birds, nothing else. Okay. How long, how long are they there for? Five nights. Five nights. So it's a long stay. It's a long stay and it's just birding. Just birding. Like literally nothing else. So they don't even, like they don't want you to find a leopard for them whatsoever. If you come across a leopard on the road, they want you to drive away from it. They don't want to see any leopards. Okay. So what's my ultimatum? What's my option? No, no, that's set? what I'm saying. This is the, would you rather have a guest like that? Mm-hmm. Or... Would you wa- rather want a guest that only want to see the big five and does not care about the small stuff in the bush, does not care at all, just want to tick those boxes for the big five, don't care about the pulse fishing owl, or, you know... I think I'm going to have to go with the birder. Um, it's a long it's a long stay to do birds, but like you said, I love my birds, and... Um, I think you'd probably, as a guide with a guest like that, you'd probably end up learning a lot because you are drawn to focus because that's your main focus for five days. So I would go for the birders. Um, I think the box ticking mindset, as soon as you said big five, I was like, nah, these people are going to be here to do nothing but tick boxes. So I think you'd have a lot more interesting chats with the people that are there for five nights and even if it was just birds, I'm sure they'd be interested in a couple of other smaller things as well, which are always amazingly interesting. So definitely the birders, five nights, feathers, not fluff. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, cool. Sounds like a good answer. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this interesting episode. Mm. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions after this because I think there's a lot to this topic so maybe send in questions you know on our instagrams mine is carolina rewild and mine is craig reed wildlife and yeah just send us a message there if you have any questions and we'd be happy to take them up in a later episode because i think this definitely might raise a few questions so yeah hope you're all doing well and enjoy cheers guys